0: I was I was blown back by this. And this is one of those smack your forehead articles. Where you're like, <laughs> look at it. You're like, why didn't someone think of this ahead of time? This looks ingenious. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Eric Planey.
1: I'm Lucas Finko.
0: And together on September 10th, almost said 9th, 2021, we are the very rusty Pirates of Claim Tech. Yar,
1: yar, yarg.
0: Yar. How you doing, Lucas? It's been a long time.
1: Yeah, I'm good. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. How are you, Eric?
0: I'm great. Uh, I had a great summer. All right. So before we go into the main body of our podcast, uh, I thought it would take a few seconds to just apologize to our listeners that we uh, almost suddenly went off the air in the spring with our podcast. Uh, that was really on me. Um, I had some issues I had to take care of, uh, you know, in the work-life balance area. And uh, those have been rectified. And as a result of that, we're going to kind of restart Pirates. And we're going to be as strategic and diligent as possible. But we're happy to be back. And, you know, uh, it's a good thing. Because we, at one point, were really gaining a tremendous audience in Pirates. And we hope to bring back that audience as quickly as possible. i happy to be back. Uh, I have moved on. Uh, and happy to say that starting next week, I'm going to be starting a new position in the world of clean technology. Uh, We'll probably have a little bit more information about that uh, in the coming weeks as we get more public, but very excited about what the future has in store for us and really happy to be back on the Pirates of Cleantech, educating our listeners about what's going on in Cleantech and ESG and seeing where we go from there.
1: Yeah, big congratulations to you, Eric. Uh, It's good to have you in the industry finally. Finally, fighting the good fight. So we look forward to learning more about that and seeing uh, seeing what happens with your new venture.
0: It's funny, as I was leaving uh, my last week on the job in financial services and banking, um, had a lot of people reach out to me, current and past coworkers, really congratulating me. And a lot of people get this impression that kind of migrating or transitioning from something like financial services to clean tech was just kind of happened overnight. And I had to explain it, you know, it really goes back to the fall of 2015 is when I met Mm -hmm. Lucas and the whole gang at the NYU Energy Finance Program. And since then, I was always looking for opportunities, but not the right one presented itself. Then we all had kind of the COVID pause where everything got delayed. So, you know, things like this don't happen overnight. So to all those who are thinking about transitioning their career into clean technology, you really have to kind of create that roadmap about how you're going to do it. And feel free to do some initiatives on your own, aside from your job, even if it's volunteer work in the clean tech space to help get you integrated into it. So that if you want to make the jump, you can do so successfully.
1: Right. There's uh, plenty you can do. There's plenty of uh, climate tech and climate awareness organizations in your area. There's Lots of things you can do to help out. So, yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, well, you know, kind of thinking about our old format, first off, I have to give a shout out to one of our other pirates, uh, Rob Parker, who who sent a pirate eye patch that I never actually worn. I'm not going to put it on right now, but I feel like since this is, uh, you know, our regeneration of Pirates of Clean Tech, I just want Rob to know it is here at my desk. Uh, and I'm enjoying this afternoon with a very cool German drink called a Rattler. And if for the, those of you that don't know, you take a good half of ice. And in this case, I took lime and cool summer candy. And I combined it with a Sprite Zero. And I have some ice in there. And it makes an incredibly nice post-Labor Day, uh, you know, Indian summer type of, uh, type of cooling refreshment.
1: Cool. I'm uh, drinking Sam Mountain's Oktoberfest. It is the season for Oktoberfest. I don't know. They move it forward every year and they run out of uh, inventory fast, so make sure you go get some.
0: I wonder if they're doing Oktoberfest this year, if it's still kind of under COVID quarantine, because it's usually end of September.
1: Yeah, I don't know what Germany is up to nowadays. I don't know.
0: I suspect probably, if they do it, you'd probably have to be fully either vaccinated or have a negative test like 15 minutes before you walk in.
1: Well, you can't wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, would, that would defeat the purpose. <laughs> One of my greatest memories in graduate school is being in Stuttgart. For the uh they call it the Volksfest, the People's Fest. And having three thousand drunk Germans on their standing on our tables and a Lederhosen band is playing Sweet Home Alabama by <laughs> Leonard Skipple, and just hearing Sweet Home Alabama.
1: <laughs> Sounds like the Germany I know and love.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So uh, hey, before we get into our articles, um, just a quick, uh, really want to give a shout out again. And fortunately, we've done this a couple of times, but in this uh, week after Hurricane Ida, uh, you know, in Louisiana, obviously, and the East Coast got hit very hard and there was a tremendous loss of life. So we certainly pay our respects to those families uh, who are suffering from losses right now. But as always, we want to give a shout out to our utility workers who are still probably on the scene, in, especially in Louisiana you know, coming from across the United States and being in-state and in-region, you know, trying to get power back on. It's a thankless job, uh, you know, and, and there are unsung heroes right now keeping our grid operating. So Lucas, being a former utility guy yourself, I'm, you always like to say a few words.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard there's more than a million people that lost power during uh, the hurricane. So I know it's going to take a long time to get those people back up. We, we all saw the pictures of the transmission lines that were destroyed. So that's a big problem. That's going to take a long time to repair. So uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work by a lot of hardworking people to get the people of Louisiana back into uh, power. So our thoughts and prayers are with them.
0: Yeah, no, no lie. So, um, you know, that was if you want to talk about why we're on the air and why we're doing Pirates of Clean Tech and, and why the world, especially in the United States recently, is really embracing the fight against climate change. Just look what's happening in the United States. You have a bone dry western United States that's suffering horribly from wildfires that are getting worse and worse every summer. You have a soaking wet flooded east coast that's had so much rain partially from the intensity of hurricanes uh, over the last couple weeks. You know these hurricanes are not just simply going into land and dissipating they're staying powerful as they migrate either up the east coast or crossing crisscrossing over the southeast. And, uh, you know, we're seeing tremendous flooding and just the intensity. We'll talk about that in one of my articles, but, um, you know, this is why we're here. And, you know, we we have a lot of targets we need to hit as a global community. The U.S. needs to be doing their part. We seem to have a lot of momentum at the federal level. But as one of our other pirates, Cassandra, recently said to me on a phone call, you know, it's really the state and local level is where the action is taking place. So uh, let's step it up and keep it going.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. I'm excited. You want to get into it?
0: Let's get into it. Okay. So this is uh, Jamie LaRue from the Detroit free press, uh, August 30th GM, not confident, quote unquote, LG chem will build defect-free bolt batteries. Talk about a shot across the bow with a great partnership. Um, I, you know, this one is not the most optimistic article, but I think I wanted to highlight it because Obviously, we've got a situation right now where General Motors and other OEMs are struggling on making electric vehicles and hybrids because of a chip shortage. But on top of that, you know, the technology is still not where it needs to be in terms of completely proving itself. And here's a case where General Motors is gonna keep its Orion, Michigan assembly plant idled and not even start repairs on normal, um, I think they said 140,000 Chevy Bolt EVs and EUVs. They're not even gonna do the recall repairs until it's confident that its partner, LG Chem, can make a defect-free EV battery that does not pose a potential fire risk. Now, obviously, this is about General Motors, and full disclosure, I am a GM shareholder. Um, And so I am a big fan of GM. I've bought a lot of GM cars in my life. Um, Unfortunately, you know, some Chevy Bolts have been known to catch fire. Teslas have been known to catch fire. Uh, The batteries haven't been completely defect-free. And of course, the anti-green movement would say, well, look, these things are dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in history of time, it'll show, uh, first off, historically, uh, ICE engines, internal combustion engines have had their share of spontaneous fires as well related to XYZ accidents. So let's not put this, you know, let's put it in context. And then secondly, nothing is going to be perfect, but the striving to be perfect is where the clean tech field is going to take us. So this is not an article. I really hope GM and LG solve these problems. LG Chem has been a partner to GM going back to the first Chevy Volt with a V. Uh, so they need to get through this and they need to work through it. And it's not going to shake my confidence in both GM and LG getting and delivering a world-class electric vehicle in the future.
1: Yeah, agreed. You know, I'm, I'm an owner of one of these bolts. I've received my recall notice and, you know, this is, this is quite reassuring to me, right? That we're not going to recall, start recall repairs until we're well confident LG can build defect-free products. I mean, what's the point of, you know, doing a recall when you haven't fixed the problem yet? So, um yeah, this is confidence inspiring. You know, I no longer keep my vehicle indoors, I no longer charge it indoors. Uh I never charged it to 90%, over 90% anyhow. Um so they're going to replace all the modules in the vehicles, which is great for me cuz I get a new battery. In uh, my bolt and, and I get another uh, eight year warranty on top of that. So, um, you, you know, you're exactly right. People forget that, you know, <laughs> a tank of gasoline is explosive and flammable also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and there was an issue in the eighties with one of the manufacturers um, when it was in a collision that the whole car would explode. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so th- these are normal growing pains of a, uh, of an industry. Right. So, you talking about
0: the? Is that the Ford Pinto? If you rear-ended yes. a Ford Pinto,
1: yes, correct.
0: What was that one movie? That spoof movie, uh, "Spies Like Us," where they had this like indestructible Russian tank, and it went over a ridge, and nobody could blow it up, but it went over the ridge and accidentally ran into a Pinto, and then the tank blew in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I think uh, look, if you touched on something very important. I think if for those of you that own EVs and want to be cautious, if you don't need to for your daily commute, then don't. Don't charge your battery to one hundred percent. Charge it to eighty percent, ninety percent, and just keep it there. And I think that's a smart thing to do because it's really at that like that last point of filling up is when you have what they call thermal runaway uh, or a higher risk of thermal runaway. So, you know, people, in, in, if you feel a little bit hesitant, um, don't park your car in a garage that's adjacent, that's either under the house or part of the house. Uh, if you feel a little bit nervous, but also just don't charge your battery if you don't need to. 200 percent yeah all right next up we're gonna be rapid fire here um this is out of national geographic and this is from august 31st and i believe the author is sarah gibbons and um this one you know is something i think we're all reading about over the last week but it's entitled how climate change is fueling hurricanes like ida and subheadline is hurricanes feed off heat a growing source of fuel in a warming world I was very surprised my wife and I were actually on vacation in Bermuda which is certainly an island that watches hurricanes and as Ida was making landfall almost right up into landfall it was a category one hurricane and I thought to myself well this is good in the fact that it's not going to be as strong as people thought but the scientists actually nailed it they said that this one really has a capacity by landfall becoming hurricane four uh, category four and it did and the reason why it was able to do so is that the water is so warm And this is directly attributable to climate change that the water is a fuel is acting as an absolute fuel to increase the intensity right up before landfall. So um, it's either harder to either forecast the intensity or you're going to have to assume the worst that the intensity has the ability of ramping up to category four, category five, right. When at the least favorable moment, right. When it makes landfall and look what happened as a result, it had so much fuel that Ida crisscrossed the southeast part of the United States and then caused remnant devastation in our home states of New Jersey and New York. Um, a lot of devastation in New Jersey, in the suburbs of New York City, and New York City itself. So many tragic deaths of people who were in their apartment, basement apartments uh, and then all of a sudden had flash flooding. So yep. um, it's going to get harder and harder to forecast how ferocious these are going to be, and it's going to get harder and harder to respond to them. So, we are seeing the effects of climate change. And I thought this Nat Geo story really kind of crystallized on the science, really, as to why.
1: Yeah, it said they do studies where they can actually do uh, the difference between with and without global warming and show how the intensity changes. And these studies take months to do. So, we won't know for either for a while, but they've proven it for some of the past storms. Um, And this reminds me also of the Great Pause. I don't know if you remember the Great Pause in the 2000s. You know, climate change scientists were getting a lot of criticism in the 2000s because it appeared that global warming was, was slowing in the atmosphere. And what they did is they did some more studies on this and they found out that the heat was moving from the atmosphere to the ocean. And that's why the atmosphere wasn't heating up as much. Uh, which is like, oh, great, we figured that out. But wait a minute, wait a minute. A heating ocean is really bad, right? <laughs> because now you have a hotter ocean, you have more powerful uh, hurricanes. And you kind of see it on this graph too. This is uh, sea surface temperatures. Look at them just skyrocket here, right? At the start of the century. Um, uh, this is really bad for storms like this because they feed off of that hot surface um, surface temperatures in, in the Gulf of Mexico. So, right. Yeah. I, you know, it it makes sense to me that what they're saying here.
0: So we have a lot of situations here, you know, with, with rising water temperatures in the oceans. First off, you know, we're losing um, our ice caps on the polar North and polar South, which is unfortunate. So we have rising sea levels. We have the heated water acting as a fuel, which we just talked about. And now because of changes in salinization of the oceans, we're even losing, like in the UK, they're losing access to the warmer waters from the uh, the Gulf Stream. Uh, you know, It may actually lose its capacity. They kind of have that circular generation of bringing warmer waters to, to the Northeast. Uh, so they expect more climate volatility as a result of that. So we're seeing a lot and it's very negative and uh, we had to bring it up. And this is something that we're going to be keeping an eye on because we don't want to keep on our podcast every week talking about those who lost their lives from hurricanes and utility workers working overtime to repair our infrastructure. We need to take care of this as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. All right. Next up. Right.
0: My third and last article, we're keeping it short and sweet, but I do want to end a little bit of a positive note. So business edition, um, business section of the economist from August 21st. Uh, I love the, the subtitle clean climate text, Netscape moment. Go back up. Yeah, billions are billions are pouring into the business of decarbonization. Wall Street giants and corporate titans are betting on climate innovation. This is music to my ears, to Lucas's ears, and many of our friends, because again, it's a great article. Uh, you don't have to; it's not behind the paywall. You just have to register with The Economist to read it. But we're talking about all the money that's going into climate innovation, and uh, as a former uh, banker, I'm seeing it among all the banks who are focusing on. Their ESG strategies. Banks like JP Morgan are setting up, you know, um, programs and divisions that are dedicated to green financing. That goes all the way from you know climate tech to ag tech, um, and this is incredible. And so, even though you know there's always up ebbs and flows in the momentum, especially in Washington on the federal level, depending who's in charge of Congress and the White House. Uh, I think that's becoming less and less relevant as time goes on because of what we're seeing at the state local level, but what we're seeing in the private market level. Okay, the investments are taking place because there's a market-generated return on these investments that's being forecasted. So the numbers are ridiculous. I mean, they're saying 2021, it could be $60 billion alone in investment, which is almost double from $36 billion last year. You know, and the big worry is, of course, is this a boom-bust cycle. And I think it is going to have some booms and busts associated with it. Some technologies are not going to pan out, but I think the trend over the next 20 years is going to be significant.
1: Lucas. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously great to see, Um, you know, we welcome them. I feel like we've, we've known this has been needed for, for many, many years. So it's great to see them come along. This is global investment energy transition. This is $500 billion. So that's a lot And this This doesn't seem like the typical greenwashing I see too, right? This is renewable energy. This is electrified transport. This is electrification, right, of heat. So this is real, you know, clean technology that's being invested in uh, instead of just, you know, people taking existing tech and calling it green, right?
0: And look, I still think there is probably some classic definition of greenwashing taking place. However... Transparency is improving in that investment sector. So people are going to be more realistic about what they're seeing and are going to have more access to true data that shows how companies are actually investing in clean tech and investing in green their own companies. So um, everything is trending the right way. There will be speed bumps. I mean, look, we had a speed bump on the GM story. GM is all in about making electric vehicles. They wanted by 2025 to have 20, 30 models that are EV, but they're going to have issues with batteries on occasion. That's just the reality of the game. So um, great story. Makes me feel very confident.
1: Yeah, this is great to see.
0: Cool. Well, those are my three, and I think you have three of your own, right?
1: All right, yeah. Here's one from September 6th. This is from four days ago. This is Jonathan Saul from uh, Reuters. Uh, on sustainable business, shipping industry proposes levy to speed up the zero carbon future. This is very, very interesting. So this is about the uh, the shipping industry. They have their own organization called the IMO, the international maritime organization and they've been kind of avoiding carbon taxes in places like Europe uh, because they kind of work in international waters. Uh, And so they're actually coming around and saying, Hey, we need to have our own kind of carbon tax levied on our industry. So I just, (laughs) I just found this was an incredible story. Like I don't know any other industry that says, Hey, please tax us more. Um, So this is amazing. They want to get on board with, you know, climate goals and, and carbon reducing efforts. And so they're willing to do, uh, you know, some market-based measures, which I like, right? So they're going to increase the price of carbon-based transportation um, uh, on the waters. So this is great. I, I'm really happy with this. Um, I'd love to see them use this money to promote more zero carbon transportation on, on the oceans, right?
0: I, uh I thought it was a great story. I think the, what is it, 3% of of, um, carbon generation in the world comes from maritime fleets. So it's a significant number. Yeah, 3% 3 of the world's CO2 emissions is uh, coming from uh, global transportation and sea transportation. So I think uh, this is a great incentive to get shipbuilders and developers and um, fleet owners to switch to green. You know, the one good thing is about the size of these ships that they can look at some alternatives that may not be practical for, say, truck driving. And like, the one example, of course, screams out is LNG. Mm. You, know, you can have liquefied natural gas ships. Uh, of course, everyone's talking about green hydrogen still. Uh, that may be a little bit off in the future. But there are ways to improve. You know, I think the even the capabilities and the emissions from the existing, you know, diesel engines have improved greatly over the years. So at least there's existing technology that's being improved. Uh, and then you could switch this to a bridge technology like LNG. And then you could probably take it to even something like hydrogen after that. So a lot going on. Very happy to see it.
1: Yeah, I've seen some innovative um, storage technologies for for ocean-going vessels. Uh, if you think about it, weight isn't that big of an issue, right? Because it just displaces more water and right. nobody cares. Uh, so you can have a heavier battery that you wouldn't think about in a car, Um you know so you can look at different technologies for storage if you want to go electric uh so i've i've seen some interesting work in that area
0: yep love it
1: i just thought this was a crazy story i had to share it with you guys uh and my final two are actual clean tech stories cuz we all are clean tech. <laughs> so this one's from fast company uh which is more of a uh, startup focused magazine this is from september 3rd wildly reinvented wind turbine Generates five times more energy than its competitors, right? This is this is the wind turbine. So notice that it looks totally different than any other wind turbine you've ever seen. So I find this really, really interesting. So what it does, it has all these little wind turbine blades in here inside the structure instead of one big one. And I really thought this was great. Uh, it doesn't have the author's name, which is kind of weird. Um, because this this design... Uh, you know distributes the generation over a larger area, you also get to a higher uh, level, and also this one is easier to maintain because if you have uh one of the turbines break, you only lose one out of a hundred turbines so you 're ninety nine percent still operational and you don 't have to shut the whole thing down you 're just going to replace the one turbine and so it still stays operational so from an operation standpoint, this is far, far superior so I think this is interesting that if you have a physicist and an engineer work together to design something, you get the turbines we already have. But if you have an operator <laughs> sit with an engineer and say, no, 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 design it this way, this is what you get. So really interested to see this. I'd like to see these. I think these float also. So you can put them anywhere. You can put them in deeper water.
0: This is, this is, uh, these are floaters. Um, yeah. By the way, the author is Elisavata Brandon. I hope I said her first name right. But okay. Um, I was I was blown back by this. And this is one of those smack your forehead articles. Where you're like, <laughs> look at it. You're like, why didn't someone think of this ahead of time? This looks yeah. ingenious. Yeah. And yeah. what I like about this, they don't show it, but I suspect if one of those uh, blades go out, you can almost have a robot tied to the scaffolding that just has a replacement blade that it could switch out almost on its own. Like to do uh, Yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: Um, I read a similar article uh, during our off period about a month ago that talked about how, uh, I think it was in The Economist too, where people really feel that offshore wind can actually get bigger, it can go further out, and it can create floating platforms that may have some technical issues about replacing damaged turbines, but it seems like there's been a lot of technology and time dedicated to making improved floating platforms so you can have it further out in the ocean where the wind actually is. So really happy to see this type of innovation, and I thought this was a great article. Really uh, inspired me.
1: Yeah, really cool innovation. Another great innovation, this one out of newatlas.com in their energy group by Nick LaVar's. Experimental chlorine battery holds six times more charge than lithium ion. So this is experimental. You know, it's in the R part of R&D. This is from August 29th out of Stanford University. They've developed a chlorine-based prototype battery with six times the capacity of today's lithium ion devices. This is fantastic to hear sodium chlorine battery. Uh, yes, they have tried this before and failed. Uh, the reason is, I mean, if you've ever been in a swimming pool, you know that chlorine ions are extremely destructive to any kind of germs that get in there. And so they tend to be uh, very volatile and difficult to have in a battery. And so the main innovation here is that they have a new electrode that takes these chlorine ions that are very destructive and and kind of pulls them out and keeps them uh, keeps them contained. So... Yeah, see here, made of a porous carbon that acts like a sponge, soaking up the radical chlorine molecules, making them safe to be converted back to sodium chloride. So they just found a kind of engineering trick to to make the the chemistry stable. And now you can get more energy density in here. So very interested to see these come around. It'll probably be five to 10 years, but uh, when these hit, it's going to be really interesting.
0: This is a great article. I love the innovation again. Uh, I kept jokingly thinking about how all our doctors collectively want us to have less sodium intake. So now we can convert <laughs> our sodium from our table salt all the way to putting it into something even more productive, which is clean energy. Um, yeah, I, I like the story as well. And there's a lot of people chasing different battery technologies. And of course, I think there's no clarity about where the ultimate winner will be. So again, this is one of those that, you know I always worry about the risk return of, are we spending so much you know focusing on different battery techs that we're wasting capital. And the reality is we probably will in some extent, but I think this is worth pursuing because anything we can do to make batteries more efficient is going to make the green energy adoption more economical and faster. So it was a really good story.
1: Yeah, so love to see battery tech. Uh, I love to read about that. Any kind of battery tech I want to see, I want to learn. I want to see you know, what the cycle life is, what the energy density is and how easy it is to produce, manufacture, source the raw materials right so if you make it out of some exotic metal that's not going to help us right so yeah
0: oh great articles and i i think it's kind of funny because i feel like i was more the pessimistic one because i brought up you know gm's issue right now i brought up uh you know hurricane ida and the destructiveness and then you kind of took it to the positive right which was uh you know there's (laughs) the technologies that are in play right now um you know, it just shows that the struggle will continue and but we're going to be here monitoring it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ida just kind of reminds us that it's real, it's getting worse. I don't know if you've seen the CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere. They're not slowing down. They're not reversing course. You know, the IPCC report was really kind of depressing for the industry, right? They they kind of gave up on one and a half degrees. They don't even have a projection for anything below one and a half degrees. So uh, yeah, it's it's getting close to crunch time, and and I still wonder, like, well, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for people, for decision makers, for citizens, for voters, uh, you know, for businesses to start saying, "Hey, this, this is a real problem. We we can't just do business as usual. We have to do something." So, I think yeah. that date is still off in the future, which is upsetting.
0: I see it, I see it in, at least in my time in financial services, I saw it more and more where every decision made by big banks is going to incorporate an ESG element associated with it. And some of that may be fluff, some of it may be greenwashing, but again, I think it'll migrate to investment decisions making across the board where ESG is standard. I think five years from now, there will be no ESG funds or they're going to be, they're going to be so prevalent that it's going to be a part of your investment across the board that you're not going to differentiate between one or the other. It's going to be the standard. So, um, you know, again, we ask people, I I say this all the time on my social media to my friends and family, we all could be doing things individually, reducing our plastic usage, you know, being smarter, switching from uh, a traditional uh, ICE lawnmower to an electric lawnmower. For every 30 uh, lawnmowers replaced by an electric lawnmower, you're taking the equivalent of one gasoline car off the road. So these are things that can be done over the next couple of years. Um, and you know every little step helps. I'm still a believer in the Trillion Tree Program, although I haven't heard much about it lately, as a major solution to getting us to staying under the two degree centigrade um, cap by 2050. Um, it's not the only solution, but it makes a lot of sense to me. So as long as we kind of collectively keep coming up with these ideas and executing on them very quickly, we can get there.
1: Yeah, I agree. And as long as we keep making progress every day, we'll get there faster than you think we will.
0: Yep. So uh, Lucas, uh, why don't you tell us right now on a very limited basis uh, how, about how people can participate in Pirates of CleanTech Tech and where we're at?
1: Sure. We're on, I think you should watch us on YouTube so you see our beautiful faces and you get to go through the articles with us. So I think that's a good idea. You can find us where uh, Pirates of CleanTech Tech on YouTube. You click the subscribe button. And then if you want to get the alerts for when our newest video hits, you hit that little bell and then it'll pop up on your phone. It'll say, hey, the new episode is up and then you'll be the first to know. Uh, we're also on your favorite podcast site. Pretty much. We're on more than 10 podcast sites, I think. And so you can just search for "Private Clean Tech and click subscribe and then you'll get our latest podcast that you can listen to at your leisure. We're, we're, for instance, we're on Apple um, podcast. So.
0: Yep. For those who are just getting to know us as pirates, some of our historical library is not on the podcast venue anymore. It may go up. We're not sure just quite yet, but everything is up on our YouTube page. So we recommend people to, you know, you don't have to watch us if you're busy doing the laundry, but you know, put your earphones on, get your laundry done, and you could listen to us. You could look at our beautiful faces for a few minutes. And once <laughs> you're overwhelmed, you could switch to audio. But um, you know our historical library there and there's some great episodes especially for those who really want to get to know specific topics most of those topics are in the title of our episodes
1: yeah um, and we had some great guests we had former chair of FERC we had some experts from Houston with the blackout there we had some just great episodes the ESG expert all you know, sorts
0: former of- the, the the godfather the Nissan Leaf was on uh, yeah. you know, who's doing great things so and you know we had really uh, one of my favorites was a bond expert who she just really rocked it and explained to people what green bonds are really all, all about so yeah um we look forward to having some more guests in the future we're going to be figuring out our formats as lucas and i are both transitioning our careers but we appreciate any feedback any suggestions uh and of course our, our typical disclaimer uh the views expressed by lucas and i are solely those of ourselves and not any organizations we're affiliated with uh always good to get that out and any com- we should also say any companies we talk about we are not making any implicit or explicit recommendation about the uh, security associated with it
1: that's correct
0: yeah so uh and with that this was a pretty quick episode but welcome back lucas great to see you on uh again and great to be back on the the podcast
1: yeah welcome back eric it's good to be back welcome back to our listeners and viewers it's good to have you and let's uh let's keep up the good fight
0: excellent so with that i'm eric Planey.
1: I'm Lucas Finko,
0: and we are the returned, not so rusty Pirates of Clean Tech.
1: Yarr. Arr. Arr. <laughs>